What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and we are going back to the island, back to the desert island to talk comics. And I'm being joined by Matt Garvey, Matt Garvey's comic creator. How are you doing, Matt? You okay? I'm very well, buddy. How are you? Thank you very much for having me on. I'm good, mate. I'm very good. Uh, Well, thanks for joining me. It's always a pleasure. And uh, especially someone sort of, you know, in the comic world. I mean, do you want to tell tell the listeners about your comics and, uh, and ask especially where they can find them? Uh, yeah, certainly. Um, I'm a comic writer from the UK. Um, I've been putting my comics out for the last four years or so. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MattGarvey1981, and you can find my comics at MattGarvey.co.uk. Excellent. So, yeah. And I will, I can recommend, I've read a number of Matt's comics. Um, you, I mean, you cover a number of styles. Um, you know, you've got sort of, you've got your more sort of humor comics and that sort of thing, all the way through to some really sort of dark, <laughs> um, some darker sort of superhero stuff. Which I've really enjoyed actually. Um, oh bless you, thank you very much. Um, I appreciate that, buddy. Yeah. So yeah. So do listen, check him out. It's it's good because uh, you've been putting stuff out as well during the lockdown. Um, obviously, you know, people can sort of check out your comics. Um, but we're here today to talk more comics. Um, and so I asked you the simple question, which three comics, single issues, would you take to a desert island? Which ones do you want to talk about? Uh, and you have chosen Hitman by Garth Ennis from 1993, uh, Nightwing number one from 1996, uh, and Hawkeye number one from 2015. Um, so we'll go through those in in um, in chronological Act- order. Actually, it was Hawkeye number seven. Oh, Hawkeye number seven. Oh, okay, I have to jump on that. Then. <laughs> that's fine because it because I've read the whole series. But um, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but uh, so let's start there with with, with Garth. Ennis. So I, I'll tell you, I, I will confess something. I'd not read any Hitman um, oh, un, until this. Me. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I've obviously read things like The Boys, and I've read, um, yep. you know, like Pun- Garth Ennis's Punisher and all that other stuff. So. It's always been on that list of like, I really should read Hitman. Well, this this predates all of that. I mm. mean, um, at, the, at the time this came out, what year did you say it was? 1993. 19... So I was like 11, nearly 12. So at this point, I hadn't even heard of like Preacher and stuff like that. So so this was my first introduction to, to, to Garth Ennis. And like, if you say, if, obviously, if you've not read it now, but you, you know, you've read stuff like The Boys and stuff like that, if you read this, you go... It's kind of similar. It's like kind of like that precursor to it. Do you know what I mean? Because you know, um, for those who don't know, it's, um, it's set in Gotham, yeah. um, and it's about a hitman called Tommy Monaghan, um, who basically he has superpowers that he got from an alien bite, but they don't really lean on that too much. But what he he's a hitman, and literally he he kills other superheroes for money or supervillains for money. So, <laughs> and it's just all about the, the, the crazy chaos that, that that he that he gets into really. But if if you've never read anything. You never read any Hitman. So I'm interested in what you know, to know what you thought of it, really. Well, yeah. No, do you know what? you say that about the boys and stuff? And that was really the first note I got was yeah. th- this is almost like a prototype for a lot of what things you know, a lot of what is going to come. 
Um, it's still got that Garth Ennis snark, which I like. You know, it's uh, um, it's 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 clearly Garth Ennis. Um, I really enjoyed it though. I thought it was really good. I mean, I like the, the John McCrea art, and um, but I, I yeah, I, I felt that like you know, it's it's a story idea that I was like what. Reading this first issue, I don't know they were going into the 90s, which is a, a slightly different era, but even some of the stuff that's alluded to in this, I was a bit like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm surprised they got away with this in a standard DC title. Well, there's a, there's a, later on, there's there's a character that, um, it's kind of like a demon-y, goblin-y character, like he's, he, he's um, uh, from hell, and his name's Beta, and apparently they originally wanted to call him Master. <laughs> Beta. Yeah. But they, they, there's some things they can't get because this is this is kind of like a Vertigo book, but it's not a Vertigo book because it's set in, you know, what's that term? Canon, you know, yeah, yeah. It's set in, you know, in the proper D- DCU. So it's it's good, and I like the fact that you mentioned John McRae because I'm a huge John McRae fan. And if you look, this is John McRae's old style. Yes. Because after this series, he kind of had to reinvent. The, I, I remember him tweeting about it. There was a time when he he wasn't getting much work in the comic industry, and he went back and he dramatically change the way he draws so if you look at something like this and then pick up dead eyes which is amazing if you've not read it you look at the t- two styles and you can still see it's him but it, it's kind of it's it's uh, mutated into something it's, it's basically leveled up even more i mean mm. he was good when he was doing this and but now he's just oh dear oh, i love john's art i love it yeah no he, he is good as a staple i know he's one of the ones that when he pops up i'm always sort of glad to see his, his art um but this feels nineties. That was something that that all sort of, especially stem into sort of Nightwing as well. But <clears throat> this uh, this felt very sort of nineties. Um, you know, that idea of it's not quite extreme. I mean, this isn't image. You know, this isn't sort of like the, the sort of um, uh, you know McFarlane or Liefeld sort of level of extreme. But <clears throat> you can feel that they're it's letting the. Brutal, it is. I was going to say. It's, yeah, it's it's letting the it's let, it's pushing the boundaries of what I would expect. I did not use it. I actually double checked. I was like, I'm sure. Is this not you know a Vertigo title? So I had to really double check to make sure, because um, I was quite surprised, like you said, that it's in canon. Um, but the the other thing as well, this being like an introductory issue. I mean, obviously he was he, you know he, he he came out of what was it the, the Demon Annual Two, which is the same year. So he's, he'd only been around like you know and then got his full series. This is very much an introductory issue. Um, well, it, it's 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 funny that you mentioned like Todd McFarlane and John and, and, and Rob Liefeld because obviously when they all left Marvel, the industry had to kind of shake up what what they were doing, mm. and um, they did like, they, like a big um, crossover called Bloodlines, and in the Demon Issue Two, that's part of that 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 crossover, and that's how Tommy gets his powers, and you you're first introduced to him, so. Ah, so See, I, I know my yeah. I, know, I know my comic history. <laughs> <laughs> so he is sort of almost a reaction to uh, the the image um, revolution sort of thing from one of the big two. That's interesting. Um, but again, I like the fact that, like you say, that, that there's potential here for them to go, you know, really extreme, big guns and pouches and everything being shot at. And there's a bit of that. I mean, you know, there's a um, he, in one of the things he fights or he, he kills off basically a group of, of superhero mercenaries that have been sent after him. That, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I did see them appear in a sort of like a young blood or um, like a spawn issue or something like that. You know what I mean? They they look like that, and then he just takes them out. And I was like, oh, is that is that a dig at um, you know an image sort of thing? <clears throat> but um. I- 
I think it is. Yeah. You know, because if there's a there's a great documentary, if you've got Amazon Prime, um, you can watch it for free. There's a a great uh, documentary called The Image Revolution. It's all about the history of the you know the, the guys that you know left Marvel and started Image, and uh, they they talk about you know that the impact they had on the industry was so revolutionary that they're the guys that killed Superman. Mm. Was it DC? Because that. You know, they were, you know, Marvel and DC were losing, you know, traction to these guys, you know, and literally they had to come up with something big and say, well, we have to kill off our main guy just to, you know, get our numbers up and stuff like that. Because that, that was it, that came out in 92, I think. Yeah. And I forget what year, what year Image Comics started, you know, off the top of my head. It was about the same time, isn't it? 91, 92. 90, but... 92, do you know what I mean? So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, uh, a result of, uh, you know, Image Comics starting up and uh, Bloodlines as well. It's, it's again. It's all these things that where the industry's changed, and they're doing you know big you know yearly events, mm. you know just to, to to hook readers in and you know get all the tie-ins so the kit you're in. But yeah, so but I'm glad they did it because I love it, man. It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, it's interesting that sort of like I say because obviously you know this this period where we do get you know like they say some of these more extreme points. I mean. What is it's not soon after this you get things like Nightfall and and you know then you sort of get those Batman. Cat- cataclysm and no man's land and all that so through the 90s like he gets an absolute kick in so they're sort of reacting to that um constantly really um no but okay, okay it's, it's the other thing is well, this seems weirdly grounded you know like you say he's 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 got these super hero, hero powers or superpowers he's got x-ray vision and and um um you know some sort telepathy. of yeah, yeah telepathy you can read minds yeah um and he obviously uses them to his advantage, um, especially when dating women, which, you know, uh, is, is a bit sleazy, but it sort of fits the character. But I like the fact that he is grounded, even with these sort of other hitmen types, that he has got, like, a group of friends, and they just get together and shoot yeah. shit and, and play poker. Like, um, you know... It, it's very, it, much a, very much an anti-hero, very much like a John Wick-type character. You know, it's very centred in reality. You know, it's guys... I mean, obviously, I know John Wick's like hyper-violence and, you know, and, and gun food, but, yeah, it, it's very grounded, very very earnest, you know, in, in the way it's portrayal of real humans in a superhero world. Yeah, it is, and that's that's what they, I liked it, that it was that sort of... Just, almost like a street-level kind of... Um, uh, story but with this sort of this character that's clearly got these powers and stuff and it's yeah i mean i will admit having not read it i will be getting more like it has sort of like oh, wet, wetted my appetite oh, there's more to this especially coming the cliffhanger as well um for this yeah. issue because obviously he's, he's a hitman so he takes on these jobs um and the one he's given at the end of this is a, is a real is a real interesting one like he gets he basically gets assigned to kill the joker i'm not gonna you know, we won't spoil it beyond that but there's a couple of interesting points in this, and I, you know, it makes me wonder, sort of like, I mean, Garth, I don't, I don't think Garth Ennis likes superheroes. <laughs> well, I, I saw, um, who did I, I saw an interview with, uh, I can't remember who it was. I was watching, I, I watched loads of interviews with like, like comic creators and stuff like, because Garth did, um, was it the Punisher kills the Marvel Universe? I mm. think that was his big, that was his big, you know, introduced to, to superheroes. And this interview, oh, I cannot remember who it was with, and they were saying like. He just doesn't like superheroes. That's why he was killing them off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, same same as the boys. He doesn't like super. You know, it's it's very much a superhero book, the boys, but it's not because it's looking at it from 
very much like, like you know what, what Kirk Busick and Alex Ross did, you know, with with Marvels. It's looking at the the, the super world through the through the lens of you know of the average human. Mm. And I like that, and I like the way that Garth does that in in his writing. You know, he's like, well, you know, this is set in Gotham. It's set in the Cauldron, you know, which is you know um, a desolate area, and you know, this is a, a hitman working on Batman's turf. Yeah. You know, and, and and it's such a unique idea. I think it's brilliant. Well, and it is. I like. I like the fact as well that in this, he, um, you know, he's given this sort of job, and he gets a visit from. And the thing is, he gets a visit from what's clearly, um, you know, Batman to begin. You know, at the beginning, but they try not to allude to it. Like they don't show him. They show him in shadow, or they show a little bit of him. Um, mm. And it's not until later that sort of like Batman turns up. Uh, and they they oh, do yeah. they do mock him really, don't they? So it's it's. Uh, um, it's good. But what you'll find is with. When you when you read more of the um, more of the series, uh, there's always a little sprinkling of, of, of superheroes. You know, there's a you know Green, uh, the Carl Reiner Green Lantern appears in a few issues. Mm. There's, there's one episode that links into the final night crossover with Superman, which is which is which is really good. You know, and it's just it's little things like that. It's just it's just a superb series. It's just it, it's ultra violent. You know, and it's and it's the art's amazing, and it's tongue in cheek. There's a lot of jokes. The the, the I mean, I, even though I've, I've picked the first one because I didn't know if you'd read it or not, but there's a, a two issue art called Zombie Night at Gotham Aquarium, where uh, Tommy's hired to kill um, a scientist, and basically he's turned all the animals at the aquarium into into zombies, basically. So all these like killer penguins and stuff are chasing him and and his motley crew and stuff, and it's just it's just absurdity done brilliantly. Yeah, and it's that it's that thing. I mean, Garth Ennis being—it's something I sort of I know, especially to this sort of you know, this is sort of the tail end really of sort of the British invasion and stuff. <clears throat> you know, we're sort of or getting into the the peak of it maybe. But you've got these guys that are coming sort of from from Britain, and you you know, you I mean you go back and you can sort of see some of the early stuff that Garth Ennis has done. Um, you know, you see like some of the stuff he's done on two thousand AD and stuff, and he's got a very specific tone. Um, and I, and I love that knowing that this is sort of like, you know that there's this American version of the superheroes, and then there's like this British wave that comes in, and Garth Ennis is very clearly part of that, and just going, yeah, yeah, this is how we see things, you know, this is this is this is our sort of cynical yeah. view on things. Um, exactly, that's exactly what it is. Uh, and, I, and I do thoroughly enjoy that. Uh, no, I will be doing because he did. Did it Garth Ennis did Section Eight? Um, the 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 sort of superheroes that like really sort of like basically sort of off really off kilter like one of them's got like he welds dogs to people or um, yes yes and the, they they are uh, introduced in hitman i was gonna say i thought that's where they first got introduced because yeah. six pack that six packs the leader he's um he's a regular at noonan's bar yeah and you know he's just you know he's just a drunk and obviously just you know turns up says tell stories about harry and superman you know beat dark side and then just goes off and pisses his pants <laughs> You know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it's stuff like that. But yeah, section eight, yeah, dog welder and stuff like that. Yeah, they're, they're all in this. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah. it really is. I mean, again, like I say, if, if you've ever read the boys, like this is, you need to go back and I can imagine like going back and reading this is is, you know, like you say, it's a prototype. It's there as a sort of a precursor. It's definitely in that lineage. Um, uh, and like, so yeah, and it needs to, and it needs to be a TV show. So needs to be a TV show. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. It, it, you know, like when you see like the Netflix Punisher and Daredevil series, like this, you know, I you know DC have got their own, um, you know, TV, you know, universe. It's like, oh, this would be so perfect for it, you know. It's and it's sixty issues. Yeah, yeah. So you got a good long yeah. run of things to pick up. From. Yeah, and, oh, and they just keep getting better and better. And this is probably the first run of a comic 
I've I've got from the the first issue at the grand level that I, I got in a sweet shop, not even a comic shop, a sweet shop, <laughs> and I read it all. I got it every month until the end. Yeah, that's uh, when when you can say when you've. you've I mean, assuming you've still got those issues, have you? Then so, uh, you've. Uh... I've got ev- I've got every single floppy yeah. of this. I've got a couple of the trades, and I've got them all digitally as well. Yeah. <laughs> so like so I can literally. Re- I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for that. I know people go you know you know you know uh, physical or, or digital, and I'm like both. I, I get yeah. both. I end up you know I get my weekly ones every week still, and they sit in a pile. I end up not reading them because I'm busy doing other stuff, you know, looking after the baby or you know writing when I can or working, and then there will be a sale on Comicsology, and I end up buying them anyway, and then they end up reading them digitally. So, so I've got both kinds. I, I am much in the same boat. I've got, you know, I say there's the amount of times that sort of I've bought, I've pretty much stopped with sort of physical floppies now, almost. Um, but yeah, there's, I'll look at a trade and you go, oh yeah, I've got to get that. I really will get that. And then say someone will come up on Comicsology and I'm like, oh, there it is. And so I, yeah, I've got a lot in physical and and then duplicated on on uh, digital. It's just so much easier. It's a great platform. Um, but a lot of my a lot of my floppies are in the in the loft now anyway, so I can't get to them, and I can't buy any more. Tr- like I can I only buy the odd trade, yeah. like physical trade now because I don't have room. So literally, you know, I'll buy the floppies or they'll go in a long box and go in a loft, and then I'll just buy them digitally. <laughs> and unless there's a cool absolute edition, then I'll then I'll buy that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the worst one because I've I've got that as well. I've got like the I've got like the um. You know the smaller sort of trays, the one, the sort of oh, one to six, the sort of five six yeah. issues, and then they'll do like the omnibus edition. You're like, oh, all right then. <laughs> well, that, well, that was a thing. One of the comics I was gonna do, it was it's a Batman comic. It's one of the comics that got me actually into Batman because that's the thing. Even though I read Hitman, I wasn't into Batman. I, this is probably one of the first DC books that, that I read. Mm. But there's 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 a great storyline, uh, Batman storyline called um, the Black Mirror with uh, Scott Snyder, uh, Jock, and Francesco yes. Frankie Valley. And uh, that, that's what I was going to do, but that's not one single comic, and you can't really pick one segment. But like that, I've got I've got single issues, I've got the trade, I've got the absolute edition, and I've got digitals. Mm-hmm. So I've got like yeah. four versions of it. So, uh, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Yeah. Well, no, so anything else you want to mention about Hitman uh, number one? I mean, it's a great series. I will be. I'm, I'm glad you sort of you pushed me into reading it because it's it meant yeah, I will no, be reading the rest. It's it, it's really good. So it's you know he's he's a a, a superhero assassin, you know, and uh, you know, a super, you know, just any kind of super, any good or bad. He, he does live by a moral code. He doesn't, he doesn't kill good guys. And literally, um, yeah, he gets um, offered a million dollars to to break into Arkham to kill the Joker. Yeah. And and obviously, you know, even though Batman hates the Joker, he's the, you know the ying to his yang. He can't let anyone kill him. So Batman kind of has to defend him to defend the Joker from Tommy and. But there's other there's other, there's other supernatural things at, at play and stuff like that. And it just you know it kind of it it's one of them comics. It, you know you can read the first issue; it's a good first issue. But it does kind of open the gateway to other stories that kind of go through mm. pretty much the entirety of um, of the series. And it's yeah, it's just it's just a good read. You know, it's, it doesn't take itself too seriously. And uh, yeah, it's just fun. Yeah. Which is what comics should be. You know, it's fun. I have to admit, his confrontation with Batman was good. I mean, I like the fact he uses his, his uh, uh, extra vision and he identifies that the. It's, I mean, it's a call. It's a call back or a call forward, I suppose. But it's a call back to the Dark Knight Returns. The, the idea, the that, yeah, that the bat, yeah. the bat symbol is is bulletproof. You know, it's got the uh, Kevlar. It's on white it. yellow. It's because everyone aims for that. Cause yeah. They can see that. Um. So I like the fact that he then uses it to blast him off the wall. But then when he gets sort of like when Batman punches him, he basically just like he just pukes up on Batman's boots. You know, and yeah. Uh, 
it, you know, the irreverence of it all, it sort of is, is good. Uh, I've I really enjoyed it. Good, I'm glad. So, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to have picked a comic that you didn't like. I no. it would be a very short call to hang up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just rubbish. Finished. Um, yeah, but that one will will def I will be look checking that out more. So let's move on. We're staying. Well, I would say we're staying in Gotham. We're actually moving just down the coast, um, and jump forward sort of to, to 1996. So Chuck Dixon, uh, Scott McDaniel on art, uh, Nightwing number one. Um, yes. And yeah. uh, this is a real. This is an interesting one as well because uh, I've I've dipped into this series and I've because I know and I think I've read this one this issue. In floppy many many years ago, I think it's one of the ones I picked up just randomly from a charity shop. Um, but I lo- weirdly, I love this style of nineties art. Well, it, do you know what the, the, the weird thing is? Um, the first comic I ever bought again was from a sweet shop, and it was Daredevil three hundred five, mm. and it was, and I didn't find this that two years later. It was Scott McDaniel on the art as well. Mm. But if you look at his art in that compared to his likeness, it's it, it's completely different. It's like if you looked at, you know, Frank Miller's uh, you know, Daredevil run, you know, back in the 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 eighties yeah. and then look at you know, Dark Knight Returns, you know, it it just they're different they're worlds apart. You you would not believe it's the same artist. Yeah. And so so yeah, so that took me by surprise a few years ago when when I realised that. But um again, you know, I was very I know it's sensitive but like when you when you're younger and you kind of you know, people say you pick Marvel or D C but you only usually tend to pick Marvel and DC based on budget. And if you're a kid and you've only got a certain amount of income, it's like, well, if I buy the Marvel books, you know, because they all kind of tie in together and stuff like that, you can, you kind of focus on that one universe. So pretty much Hitman was my first introduction to, to, um, to uh, DC books. But Nightwings was my first introduction to the Bat universe because I never read, I say, I never really read Batman. I never read Batman until uh, Grant Morrison's run, basically mm. when he killed him. Mm. And the only and the only reason I started reading that was because it's like okay, well, it's an easy on point. That's why I don't mind you know the the soft reboots that companies do every couple of years because you know it invites readers into you know having a taste of something new. And, and this was like okay, well it's Nightwing, it's it's not Batman, and, and it's issue one, and it's you know it's something I can get from the from the, like it man I can start from the ground up. And I just thought it was brilliant. You know at the time you know what you did you say this was ninety. Six, 96. 96. So yeah, I was fourteen. So I was just like, this is really, really cool. You know, he, he was Robin. You know, he's mm. um, you know, Batman gives him a mission to you know go down river to Bloodhaven because these bodies have washed up, and and investigate. And it, and it, and again, you know, it's part of the Batman universe, but it's not part of the Batman universe because it's it's Dick on his Dick on his own. Pardon the pun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I actually agree. I like this because it's sort of. <laughs> it's him going, like I say, going out his own, and Bloodhaven is, um, you know, he's now synonymous with sort of Nightwing. Um, uh, one of the things that made me laugh about this, um, it, you know, it's it's something they do. You know, Gotham is supposed to be the cesspit. You know, you, you have Metropolis, which is the light, and Gotham, which is the dark, sort of thing. And so Gotham's always supposed to be, you know, as you sort of said with uh, Hitman, you know, he lives in in the cauldron, which is sort of like you know the, a crappy area of Gotham and all this other stuff. And in the introduction to this, they're like, oh, then you've got Bloodhaven, which is all the things where they're too sleazy for Gotham. They go here, and you're like, so there's an even worse place. I know, I know. And it, but it's just like, so Scott McDaniel's art, I mean, I think it's on page five or six. He does this like aerial shot of just like oh, a seascape. Yeah. And it just, and it just it, it, it's, like, it's like it's done from a drone, like a photo from a drone. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. And just, you know, his art is just absolutely fantastic. In, in this book and he just keeps getting better and better and better and you know no, I just I, again you know he introduced me to Nightwing it was a character that you know did, I mean I know he had a history but it wasn't you know 
40 years of character that I had to yeah, learn. Yeah. It's like, do you know what? I can get in on the ground level. And this, you know, it's starting his investigation. And it just, yeah, I get it. But again, it leads on to other stuff. And you can introduce like, people like Dudley Soames, who has a bigger part on later on in the series of Blockbuster and stuff like that. It's just it's just a really good series. And, you know, I'd recommend at least, you know, the first, you know, 20, 30 issues of that to anyone that mm. wants action and good story to detective work and stuff like that. It's good. Yeah, no, it was. It's, it's an interesting story because, again, it's sort of uh... <clears throat> it's um, it's not quite a, a one, um, you know, a one and done. It's, it's it's but it's definitely an introductory issue. Like it leads to other things. But um, like you say, you can read this issue and go, oh, yeah, that was good or bad. Like it gives you a really good taste of what's going to happen. Um, I like the fact that the, the structure of the book as well. It's sort of like you say, I love the art. That 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 top down view of the city is incredible. Like I, you know, I, I did enjoy. I was watching reading it on my tablet, <clears throat> and just seeing that, it's a really just a beautiful page. Um, even the first page you mean like like the first like if, when you open up the first page of Hitman you've got Tommy Monaghan shooting someone in the face yeah you know that, that that's you know that's that's a, that's a whoa okay you know what you're going to get straight away and this one in Nightwing you know you've got him changed to a fridge underwater I was going to say it's a hell of a start like you say it's one of those things of like you know it's totally, totally backstory and stuff like that but like it's even like just, just have a look at the first page, and if that you don't, if you look at it and go, do you know what? I don't really want to know what happens here. Then you don't like comics. It's like yeah. I have to. Harry got there. I have to know. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's so well. It's really well done. I mean, Chuck Dixon. So <clears throat> the guy knows what he's doing. You know, he's a really good, solid writer. He's all right, isn't he? Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good writer. Um, but again, like I say it's sort of it's it's well paced. It's I mean, it's got some nice little nods as well, sort of like to, to update him. You know, he um. At one point, he loses his early '90s ponytail by having it chopped off, um, and he's just like, "Well, I wasn't going to get rid of that anyway." But like, um, it's you know, there's little things like that I thought was, were quite good, and the, the yeah, it's, it's not like Superman, you know, waking up with you know with long hair. It's like, well, that just happened. Like, there's there's a reason why he's got short hair rather than just him having a haircut. Yeah, and it, and that, that's his hairstyle now, kind of like you know, for the next ten years it was. Yeah, that's it, and it's sort of. <clears throat> it seems to fit. It's all part of a fight. I mean, the one thing I will say is this book's got pace. Like, you know, it's really well paced. Like, it just goes. You know, you've got like a little bit of you've got that introduction at the start. They like say with him attached to a fridge underwater, and then you get a page or two of backstory of of Batman setting his mission, and then it's like go. You know, it's it's sort of off, and then it's it's got like a car chase. It's got a fight, and the the the, the art is so frenetic and so sort of energetic. It's perfect for the character. Um. Well, if you like, if you like, if you like the eye in this, say, um, I don't know if you remember, but when Marvel and DC did a crossover, when they did their Amalgam Universe, mm. they did um, one called Assassins, which is basically like Daredevil and Catwoman combined, and um, Scott McDaniel does the art in it, and it's just brilliant. You know, he's got like a a, a mixture of Kingpin and um, the Riddler, called like the Big Question and stuff like. <laughs> the art's just, yeah, it's, yeah, I, oh, it's, you know, just. I love I love Scott McDaniel's. Oh, I think it's just you can tell he's come from Daredevil, and you can tell he knows how to do a fight scene. Even you, even when you watch, you know, Nightwing jump from a building, you know, you he you follow you follow him because mm. you know he'll draw him like ten times in a, in a couple of pa- on the page, just so you can watch him bounce from lamppost to car to building and stuff like that. The the, the pacing and the energy is just amazing. It really is. It's, it, I was so impressed with with the say that with that sort of setup and. Giving giving um, Dick 
you know, Nightwing, a, a, a distinct voice. I mean, like you say, he'd been Batman, um, he'd been Robin, he'd become Nightwing, and he'd been in the Titans and all this other stuff. And this feels like a more <clears throat> distinctive '90s voice. Not, I mean, not, not say grown up, but it, it but definitely. A man. Yeah, it, know, yeah. He's gone from you know, teen, uh, you know, kid to teenager in, in the Titans, and now he's, you know, he's, say he's on his own. He's got his own mission. You know, Batman said to him, "Look, I need you to solve this case. I don't have time." And it's like, well, there you go. It's, yeah. it's the evolution. It's, it's, it was an evolution of a character you really get in comics because you know, comics are you know, um, they they don't grow usually as people. You know, you can't have people get old because you know the they old guy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's sort of stuck in like, another, like <laughs> a bit of free act structure, but you get to the end of the second act, and then it kind of reverts back to act one again. So it's it's nice to see, you know, you can see the the kid in, as Robin, and then you can see him mm. as a teenager in the Teen Titans, and then you can see him as you know a young man in his twenties. Yeah, and that's that's an interesting point, really. That of all the character of all the characters in DC, I think you've you've ha- you've been able to see the growth of Dick Grayson, like you say, you know, Batman was never really aged you know he sort of fluctuates between sort of 28 and and 35 um but weirdly yeah you've seen the growth of 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 dick grayson from you know say the boy wonder through to um you know a young man and he sort of he seems to have maintained that early 20s you know status quo really but you could easily follow sort of from I don't know the sort of seventy. I don't know when he sort of became first became Nightwing, but you could easily do like a you know like a trail straight through from the seventies through to the late nineties of that the growth of Dick Grayson from from boy you know from Boy Wonder to to not grown Nightwing. That'd be really interesting, actually. Will you stop saying the growth of Dick? Just... Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably gonna have to just for that. I'm gonna have to put the explicit mark on this podcast. Ah, oh, sorry. <laughs> Apologies. Apologies. Um, I haven't sworn that. No. Yeah, I'm we'll going mad. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a good, it's a good, it's a really good starting point, um, and it it definitely sets a tone, um, and an interesting story as well. Like you know, it's, it's a it's a mystery to solve. So it's it's something to interest. How long did this series go for? I mean, was, was this another one that you sort of kept on with, or was it something that you were? Oh, I'm. Do you know what? I I kind of not. I I trailed off. Um, after a few years, after uh, Scott McDaniel left, because at that time I was kind of following the art. Mm. So yeah, so I read it for a good, you know, ooh, 30, 40 issues, I believe. So yeah, I'm just trying to remember where, where I started. But I, I, I am rereading. I'm, I think I'm, I'm kind of on a, on a bit of a '90s throwback at the moment, and I'm kind of rereading stuff that I haven't followed in years. So so yeah, so I am. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Ooh, I've so the nineties gets a bit of a bad rap, doesn't it? I mean, everyone remembers, you know, the the extreme stuff and the, the some, you know, there are some terrible nineties comics. But there, yeah, but there are some. But then you could say that. But that's the thing is, you could say that these days as well. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's there's some there's some great comics and there's some bad ones. You know, I mean, say so I'm just looking at. I, I I probably stopped around issue forty forty six ish. So mm. I'm like, so yeah. So but again. You know, yeah, the non the nineties weren't that bad. The two thousands weren't that bad. The twenty twenties ain't that bad. You know, you you're gonna get the the what people understand is you know comics is comics. You know, there's only certain things you can do with certain characters. So you're yeah. gonna go through cycles, and you're gonna get bored. And you know, companies are gonna play. Obviously, no one goes goes to make a comic that's bad. 
or no one goes to make a comment that, that, that you know cookie cutter and is very generic. But unfortunately, this is this is what annoys me when people say that you know they have to work for Marvel and they have to work for DC. It's like, do you know what? That's lovely. We'd all love to do that. You know, that's the dream, and that's not. But that's not the goal. The goal is just to make good comics. But because mm. the, the, re- the reason is, I don't think people realise that if you work for Marvel and DC, you're not working for Marvel and DC. You're actually working for Disney and Warner Brothers. Yeah. So there's certain things you can't do with those characters because those characters are not worth millions they're worth billions mm-hmm. do you know what i mean it's so you know it, it limits what you can do and unfortunately you know sometimes you can push the boundaries a bit but, but yeah there's just certain things you cannot do with a character that you'd like to because you know you you give you know someone like you know like grant morrison you know carte blanche do whatever they want with a character and you know it, it would blow your mind i mean if you look at it now i mean dc do that but they do it for their black label yeah you know that they'll give characters to you know the, the best talent in the industry. You know, uh, you know Scott Snyder again and Greg Capullo and you know and Jeff Lemire and people like that. And they've gone like it's not, it's not you know in canon, but you can go crazy. You can like it's, it's almost like an Elseworld story. And, that, it, and, that, and that's and that's the only way you can really get away with doing something crazy and extreme with a with a, a much loved character. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I love the fact that they, I have to admit, I, I love the fact that they've done that. And some of the stuff that they've done in that black label has been really cool. Um, you know, they, I, I need to get the rest of it, but they, they did one on the question. Um, yeah, I've got that. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I, I'm the same. I've got all three. I've got the issues. I just haven't read them yet. But um, I read the first I'm... one, and it's really good. Like you know, it's got Bill Sinkovich art. It's got you know, it's uh, it's um, it really just throws some stuff at the character. And you're like, yeah, you couldn't do this in canon. This is definitely a uh, right, you can do what you want, but here's the here's the character. Do what you want, sort of thing. See what you can push it to. Um, but I'm reluctant to read it, only because I've never read the question ever. I've never read any question in comics. And when when people come up to me at Comic Cons and they look at the ether, like they, they always draw similarities to Rorschach, mm. and they always draw similarities to the question. And they go, "Oh, did you? Oh, you saw? You read the question?" I'm like, never read it. Never read it. So it's one of the comics I kind of think don't really want to read it. Because I don't want to. Really, like, I can always say that no, I've, I've, this is you know something that I came up. Came, the thing is, like, I knew that people were going to draw comparisons between Rorschach just because like the the way the mask Ma- looks, yeah. and that's why I kind of sat on the idea for three years until I come up with with the unique twist on it. Um, so people go, oh, it's, it's just like Rorschach, is it? And then they read and they go, it's not, is it? Is it? Yeah. With that spoiler, it's like no, it's nothing like it. So mm-hmm. so yeah, the question is, you know, the same kind of thing. I just like I really want to read it. It's like um. Uh, I like writing crime comics, and um, I'm, I'm doing one called White Noir, which I like. You know, I'm waiting for issue two to be to be finished drawing. And one of my mates said, "Oh, you need to read a Criminal" by Ed Brubaker. Oh, yeah. Phillips. And I've got the deluxe hardcover on my shelf, yeah. and I can't. And I, I don't want because I don't want to read it just because of what my friend says. Oh, it's like Criminal, and I'm like, I've never read it. <laughs> I don't want to read it because I don't want it to. Because if you don't read it, you can't say you was influenced by it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I kind of have to wait till I've finished it before I can read comics. So same with like um, Invincible. I've got the first three uh, ultimate collections of Invincible on there on my shelf, and I really want to read that. And um, but I'm writing a superhero comic at the moment, and all my friends are like, "Oh, you've got to read Invincible." I'm like, I can't until I've done that. Yeah. Oh, I will at some point, but not right yeah. now. Yeah. I know yeah. what you mean, I, and I can appreciate that. Um, I do it's recommend it when you get when you get around to reading it. You'll love it. It's really good. Uh, I mean, another you know, Bill Sinkovich, another fantastic I, artist. Um, I will get to it. I will get to um, it. 
But yeah, again, so, so, so we're saying nine, yeah, nineties. There is some really good stuff that comes out of the nineties. I think oh, it yeah. gets tarred with with some of the daft stuff. Um, but yeah, this, this was a good example of that. I mean, I you know this it's, it's got the, the fact that the art's good, the pace is good. Chuck Dixon's always always solid. Um, I yeah, again, I, this may be one I'll go back and, and and dabble in a little bit and, and at least do like you said, do, maybe do the first arc, uh, the first trade or something just to see where it goes. Um, well, I'm say I'm 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 doing a reread of this as well, and I think I'm up to where am I now? I'm up to ooh about issue twenty nine uh-huh. of my of my reread of it. So, and it's still good, it still holds up. It's still a good comic. Good. I don't, yeah. So that's obviously I got all of these. I should say I got all of these uh, in uh, from Comicsology. Um, yeah, really reasonable. Um, and obviously you can pick up trades relatively reasonable on there as well at the moment so definitely check them out um, okay so we're, I mean, this, we're doing a real jump now we sort of jumped three years uh, before we're now going to jump like almost 20 years um, to 2015 uh, and we're going like, to talk about Hawkeye uh, uh, by, it's uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye now I've I read number one for this but you say it's number seven but I've read, I have read sorry number what? 11 sorry no, number 11 apologies um but this, I read this whole sort of run. I remember when it came out. This, uh, it's. I'll let you do the recap of the episode of the of the, the issue. But this is a is a re, was a really good set. I I remember this making waves just because it was so different to a lot of the stuff that was being done with the superheroes at the time. Well, well, that's the reason why I wanted to pick this issue specifically is because I wanted to pick something that maybe not everyone would pick because I'm, you know. People are going to pick key issues of comics that they like, you know. Mm-hmm. So I've picked a couple of issues, and I just wanted to pick uh, pick a random one because you know this is obviously Matt Fraction, uh, David Ayer with Matt Hollingsworth on on, on the colours, and it's it's written differently from a lot of other comics. It's uh, it's written in Marvel method, and for those of you who don't know what that is, basically certain writers uh, write full scripts, so they'll do like page one, panel one, and they'll describe what's happening on the page and they'll write dialogue and stuff like that, but. Um, uh, in the early days of Marvel, Stan Lee was writing so many comics, he created the Marvel method. So basically what he would do is he'd go to an artist and go, you know, here's a couple of paragraphs, this is what's going to happen in the issue. The artist would go away and draw it, and then after it's all done, then Stan would come back in and put the word balloons in based on what the artist had done. So it, it's very loose, very yeah. loose. But the reason why I like this issue so much is because it's told from uh, Hawkeye's dog, Lucky. The pizza yeah. dog's pizza dog, yeah. Pizza dog, and it's there's there's no words in it. Well, there, there are words in it, but like you're he, you're hearing the words as if the dog would hear. So there's a couple of speech balloons, and the dog only picks up every other word. Mm. You know, dogs can only learn like two hundred words or whatever it is, and it just it's again it's it's, it's like a, pretty much like a silent comic, and you're just following this little, little dog on his, on his own investigation. And I just think it's brilliant. It's great storytelling, and it doesn't matter how many times I. I read it, look at it. I always notice something new because mm. there's just so much going on, and it, yeah, and it's just it's it's very you know Matt Holmes, Hollingsworth has done you know very, a very flat color over over Ayer's art, and it's it it just fascinates me. It's 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 storytelling, and it just shows you, you know you can you can write a comic, so I make a comic, and you should be able to take the words away from the comic, and a reader should still be able to read what's going on in the page. Yeah, and and I, and I think a lot of writers don't like, especially new writers in, in the small press, that they over. I mean, you know, I, I was probably guilty of it as well. You know, you, you know, there's that thing, you know, you show but don't say. You know, you don't have to go into every minute detail. You know, let, let the art do the talking. You know, a great example of this would be, you know, like 
Kevin Smith's, you know, um, Guardian Devil run, you can tell, you know, Kevin's come from, you know, a, a screenplay yeah. writing aspect because the pages are just so heavy with dialogue, which is <laughs> yeah. great. It, it's beautiful, you know. And it, I remember seeing an interview with him where he was saying, um, he said, like, Joe Casada turned around to him and just said, dude, I, I do need to have some room for the art. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> and this is this is the, this is the complete opposite. You know, it's minimalistic, and I, I, this is what I try and do now in a lot of my writing. Is you know, I, I when I'm writing dialogue, especially, I, I work to like old school Twitter, Twitter rule. My old school Twitter rule is like if I can't get what I want a character to say in 140 characters or less, I rewrite it because mm. I don't want to take up too much space on the page. And and when I get the art back, sometimes I'll remove dialogue completely because I want the art to, to speak for itself. I mean. Currently, me and uh, my uh, Totty, uh, J. Francis Totty, are doing a, a, you know, it's trying to be a daily comic during the lockdown. And a lot of the time, I'm just taking the dialogue out, just letting the action speak for it, because it's a very heavy action comic yeah. called Big Big F Off Words, which I'm not going to say that's a bad word for you. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's just like, it doesn't, I don't need to write a, a silly comic there or, you know, explain that because it's all there on the page and this you know Hawkeye is a great example of that you know not only is he written in a Marvel method so there's already only a loose structure for the artist to go away and do his thing and once the, the arts come back it's like <laughs> the writing doesn't really have to do much no it's pretty and it's just so clever it's just it's just a clever it's just, it's just a clever clever comic and it's a great series you know and it's pretty much Hawkeye. If you grew up reading comics in the eighties and nineties, like I did, it's a different, it's a different, complete, completely different Hawkeye than we knew. Do you know what I mean? It was like we. I grew up with the Hawkeye from the Avengers West Coast, you know, with a mm. big purple mask and stuff, like, which I still love. I think they need yeah. to bring that costume back because I love it. But this is, this is, you know, this is isn't like the Marvel Cinematic Universe Hawkeye either, because you know he's not married, he's not got kids and stuff like. This is just like Hawkeye, what he does as an Avenger when he's not being an Avenger. And he's defending his neighbourhood, and he, and his building that he lives in, and it's just, it's just a great series. And uh, yeah, I just I've, there's not one aspect of it I don't like. The, the 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 writing is great, the art is just superb, and you know the colours are just astronomically amazing. So yeah, I do. I admit, <clears throat> it's not often we talk about colourists, but Matt Hollingsworth is one of those guys that um, his his um, he's done a couple of books where it's like I've I've where I'm reading and I'll, I might know the artist whatever, and then I'll go back and go, who's done the colours on this? Like, <clears throat> he, is, he's, he does some really good work. I think the first time I, I actually checked out his colours, he did a, a, a Punish, he did the colours on a Punisher run um, not long ago. I can't tell you who wrote it or... or... But, but you remember the colours. I remember the colours because <laughs> when the art was great and it had slightly different artists, but it was always, like his, his colours were fantastic. <clears throat> um, I mean, so, he's, he's been around for years, though. You know, he's, he was like coloring stuff like the preacher and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but but like, the good thing about Hawkeye is it, it's flat colors. Mm. There's no there's no there's no shading or very little of it or color holds and stuff like. That. It's literally just blocks of color and the, the color choices that he uses are just that's that's just superb. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, especially it, in, in this issue as well, because on some of the pages, like he's just put yellow in where there's signs. That that's it. You know, the rest is just the dog running down white stairs. It's just, it's 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 very designed. This book, mm. you know, this is this is the art and colours working magically together. Because I don't think colourists get enough <laughs> enough credit for what they do. Because if you look at a piece of, to be fair, ink, all, all aspects of the art. You know, if you look at a pencil page. 
then you look at the the ink page it elevates it to a certain level and you think yeah that, that's printable you know now it's inked and stuff like that and shaded but then once you give it to a colorist that's where it truly comes alive i believe because mm. the colorist's job is to lead the reader's eye around the page just as like a cinematographer would do on a film you know you're, the, you, you're seeing certain things on the screen because the cinematographer is focused on that and that's what a colorist is meant to do he's meant to lead you around the page yeah, and I say I also think that say colours can set the tone, can't they? Really, um, yeah. you know, in, in incredibly sort of. I always think of um, you know uh, the Killing Joke, you know, the the redone colours versus the original. I mean, nothing to, to disparage from the original colours; they were what they were for the the book it was. But when they redid the colours, like there are certain sections where the tone has completely changed, um, and it, it's interesting to see how that. Yeah. But that's that's why when when I write a script now, I, I would kind of give a little bit of color direction as well. Mm. And I don't mean like like oh this needs to be red, this needs to be. It's like you know I'll, I'll set what time of the day it is or what season it is, just so when I when a colorist sees the art, reads the script, and go all right, so this is meant to be set you know in autumn, so that those trees you know need to be you know orangey red. You know the sky, you know it's oh it's dusk, so the sun's not going to be as high, so that's why the shadow. You know just trying to give as much information to. Th- to the art team as possible just so we can create a, a comic that works because it's it's again it's one of the reasons why i never put myself down as as the creator of any of my comics because it, it is a collaboration without you know without the artist i would all i would have would be you know words on a page and without colorists all i would have is you know a black and white book mm. it, it, it's it, it's you know it's a synergy of a, of a team working together to create something that hopefully tells a story you know coherently and enjoyably that's 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 the goal yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think it gets re- it's been recognised. I think more and more that that collaboration, you know, sort of this. Oh, it's you know the nineties became. I say that that the uh, the artists were the rock stars, and then sort of um, relatively recently, I suppose, sort of the you know the t- the twenty teens and stuff. I think writers became a bit of the rock star in the comic industry, but really, it's, it is it's a it's a collaborative medium, isn't it? I think. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned about Scott Snyder before, and I remember that there's been interviews, a similar situation between uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, where they almost came to sort of loggerheads over wordage versus art. Um, and they, yes. they ironed it out, and working with obviously Danny Mickey and, and um, FC, what's it, yeah, FCO, FCO. Yeah. Yeah, FCO and the Colours, yeah. That, that okay. team, oof, that team. Oh, do you know what? I, I, I actually love that run of, of Batman, and I don't care what anyone says, I'll fire them to the death. You know, mm. starting from the Court of Hours, you know, um, was it zero? Yeah, don't get me wrong. The stories, in my opinion, you know, it's not as good as some of the, it's good, but it's not as good as some of the other aspects of it. But you look at the art and the story and, and those colours on it, oh, yeah. like the, the pinks and the purples and the neons, it's just, oh, it just. It's visually stunning, but to say that the story is really good. But I just I kind of preferred some of the, the earlier stuff, you know, like the Court of Hours and stuff like. It just it, it, it's genius. Mm. Court of Hours is genius. You know, it's Batman's had a villain all this time that he never knew about. Yeah, I love, and I it's it, oh it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. I could talk comics all day, sorry. No, 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 that's what it's about. That's what's fun. That's why I love it. Um, yeah, but no, you're right. I mean, because I love those teams. When you do see those teams, and there were certain sort of like art teams that when I see together, I'm like, oh, goody. You know, I like that. I like that. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, because there's others where you, I think <clears throat> uh, one of the ones is, sort of like, so we talk about Greg Capullo. Um, he's obviously had Danny uh, Mickey do his art, or his, his inking for um, quite a few years now. Yeah, 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 a long time. And, because you go back, I'm a big fan of from nine. I'm a big fan of Spawn. It's one of my guilty pleasures. I'll admit it. I love I love the Spawn series. 
do you know what? <clears throat> never, ne- never read it. I read the odd issue, like you know, in the when the film came out, you know, back in the the nineties. Yeah. And literally, I'm I bought over a couple of sales in comicology. I bought every every issue, and I'm slowly working my way through them. And I think I'm up to where am I up to now on it? Ooh. it's weird because I'll go for a chunk where I'll read like 12, 13 issues and then I'll, yeah. then I'll leave for a, for a couple of months because you know when you're like I've had a bit of enough of it I need a break from a, from yeah. a book <laughs> just, just, just just for a couple of weeks you know just to just to mix it up you know I've bought up to 300 and where am I oh dear I'm, I'm well in you know triple digits now mm. you know I'm, I'm you know I'm well over the 100 mark and stuff so I'm slowly Slowly, it's, slowly, get, slowly getting there. <laughs> it's it's a, it's had its sort of ups and downs as it does, and and you know, uh, Todd McFarlane has learned to become a better writer over time. Um, but there's still stuff in there. But there's there's times when Greg Capullo first came on, <clears throat> he was being inked by Todd McFarlane, mm. and his his heavy you know it was heavily Todd McFarlane inked, like you know it's, um, and so looking back, there's even issues. I'm like, I'm not sure who. I have to check. Even now, I'm like, I'm not sure who's drawing this. Is this Todd McFarlane or is this is this Greg Capullo? And then all of a sudden, like the inking changes and the art changes, and then the colorist changes, and FCO comes on and does the colors for sort of like that. Uh, there's a block from about from about eighty to to one hundred, uh, just over hundred, and it's just fabulous. It is. I'm on one one seven. That's what I'm on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on so 116. So you've just done that sort of like that thing. There's a block, as I say, from from 80 to, to, to just over 100, about 100, 101, where Gre- when Greg Capullo leaves and Angel, uh, uh, what's it, comes on. Um, yeah, it's just wonderful. But that art team is just cracking. Um, and I could, I mean, I could praise Greg Capullo's art all day, every day. I mean, you know, I think. Oh, get, God, yeah. Um, you know, he, the, really, the guy knows what he's doing. Um, but yeah, so like I say that's the thing with again with uh, go back to Hawkeye with David Ayer, um, his art when he sort of turns up on things, I will you know I'll always give it I'll always check it out because I think he's got he's one of those artists that I just think you know his style can be quite adaptable. I love it again. It's it, 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 it's very yeah, I know. I don't know much about him, but I'm I'm assuming you know he comes from a graphic design background because if yeah. not, he needs to be because. Just, just the way the design of the pages, it's just, it's just, it, it's art, you know, it's, it's beautiful, you know, I mean, I'm looking at, as we're talking, I'm going for it, I'm on one page, and it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and there's nine panels on a page, plus a third of the page is taken up by these little other circles, it's like, that's a lot of panels on a page, yeah. you know, and if you, if you used to write that in a script and give that to an artist, it'd be like, oh my god, it's like nine panels on a page, that, that's, that's a lot of work, but he's, it's obviously again because it's Marvel method, but he's he's designing it in his own head. He's not following, you know. It has to be this way. He's just creating it as he sees fit. Mm. It just, it, it, you know, it's brilliant. You know, the, the backgrounds are minimal. You know, and it's just, yeah, it, it's superb. It's just so well, well, well done together. And and the good and the writing is fantastic. You know, from the start of the the collection to, to the end. You know, when it moves into like the Kate Bishop era and stuff like that, it's just a good book. It, yeah. You know, the, the whole series is just fantastic. Well, one of the things I'd say about this series, you know, the, especially the first bit of the run, like you say, it's it's Hawkeye on his days off, isn't it? Really, yeah, um, very much. Uh, and you know, he ends up getting other, involved in other things, but you could easily take that out, and you could make this sort of like, um, you know, you could make this an image book. He doesn't have to be Hawkeye. You know, you could just make him any other sort. Of, you could introduce him to any other superhero universe or not. 
yeah. and it still works. And it's just a, it's just such a relatable book in that way. Could, could just be random. Archer goes home for a weekend, and this is what happens to him. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's uh, no, it's it's just a it's just a fantastic book. You know, again, I've got the tra- I've got the trade, the floppies, you know, and and digitally and stuff like that, and it's just. Yeah, from start to finish, it's just a, it's just a fantastic book. And even you know, you, you, David Ayo does um, the majority of the art, but you know, you got Francesco Francavalli, mm. you know, coming on board as well, and you know, kick, kicks ass. And yeah, you know, it's, it, again, it, it's it's that perfect storm of like perfect writing, perfect, perfect art, perfect colors. And I think was it Javier Polito? I think does a couple of issues as well, and he's got a very different art style. But again, it just. Mm. Hollingsworth's um, colours and it, it just it, it, even though it's a different artist it still looks like the Hulk you know rather than bringing a different te- an artist team and it kind of looks out of sequence yeah. it still looks the same maintaining that tone and stuff yeah when I mean, this came out in 2015 that, that's around the Marvel Now period and I think this is when Marvel were sort of being a bit more experimental, experimental. yeah a bit more willing yeah. to do things I mean this is also when sort of Warren Ellis and, and Declan Shelby and and uh, Moon Knight. Oh, Moon Moon Knight run. I mean, again, talk about colorists. Um, I'm gonna have to bloody check now. Um, Jordi Belair. Jordi Belair. There you go. Yeah, bloody hell. Like, there's another colorist that um, uh, I've I've loved for a long time. From when um, Jordi Belair on um, some of the early uh, Captain America books and some other bits, and working with some others um, on uh, some image books. Like, it's just fantastic. But that, yeah, that's another one. Where they, they were just letting people let letting artists and and t- teams do what. You know what was they wanted to do, um, and it really seemed to pay off. And I think this will go. I think I, I'd say Hawkeye will go down, and people re- re- revisit it twenty, thirty years from now in that classic status of, oh yeah, this was that early you know two thousands or the early twenty teens. This is one of the classic books from that era. It's like we were saying earlier. You know, you, you could pick any decade. Of a, of a comic industry and people go oh that, that industry sucks it's yeah. like music do you know what I mean like you're like oh the 80s suck and then you kind of no actually there was some really good music don't get me wrong the majority of it was shit yeah. because you know you had like the you know this people that that ice that song that was number one for the entire summer you know but comics are the same like you, you'll get you know peaks and troughs of like you know what you know that, that wasn't good you know there was a you know a bit of a, a lapse in you know the character in, in that industry but then you'll find just like nuggets of, of, of pure gold of pure mm. perfect storytelling you know my, my my favorite character. I mean, ironically, my favorite character is Daredevil. I haven't put a Daredevil book yeah. to talk about because I thought that'd, I thought that'd be a bit too obvious. I wanted to try and you know push myself outside my comfort zone to pick you know books that you know are outside that you know. And o- over the years, you know, Daredevil's up and down, up and down, up and down. You know, but then you you get like Mark Wade and Chris Somney on it, oh. and it just kills. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then you'll get you know I've only read a few issues of like you know Chip Zdarsky's run, and it's brilliant. Do you know what I mean? It just, it just, the character just gets elevate, elevated. But then you'll, then you'll get a, another team on there, and it's, it's not their fault that the book's not as good, but they've got a lot to live up to with the creators that kind of went before, and you know they might, you know, be stuck under, you know, the, the for less of a, a better term, under the thumb of you know the corporation mm-hmm. to do something different with a character because you know there's a franchise coming out. So they kind of want to tie it in, and you know, so that their 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 runs not as impactful. But again, you you can find great comics in any decade, in any year. You know, you know. I mean, obviously, I know at the moment with the lockdown, it's hard to see you know comics coming out regularly. But you know, you, you pick any year, and I'll and I guarantee I can find you a half dozen great books or great issues. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's, yeah. it's 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 not hard. Do you know what I mean? No, and I think one of the things, especially when you know thinking Marvel 
and and DC really. I mean, like you say about the being under the working, especially under the Disney banner or the Warner Brothers banner. If I was to be a writer or an artist, I think you know everyone sort of says, "Oh yeah, I want to do a Batman book," or "I want to do you know I'll do the next Iron Man book or whatever." I mean, yeah, you can, you get people that have done like what's it? That's done like the, an incredible run on Thor. Um, uh, is that Matt Fraction actually? Um, was it Jason Aaron? Was Jason Aaron? So Jason Aaron's run yeah. On, on, on yeah with God Bomb and that was was incredible. And you think, okay, you're going to do one of those big characters that's sort of, you know in the A list, and it's going to be you know you got all the, people are going to look at it because they've got the films coming out. But then you get other people, you know, they they for some reason go. In the meantime, we're also going to do Squirrel Girl. Uh, we're going to do a redo of Howard the Duck. We're going to introduce sort of uh, Gwenpool. You know, all these other weird characters. And I'd be thinking, can I do one of them? Because you just get to just do what I want, and no one's going to really care. The weird thing was, um, I was, I mean, if I go to MCM Comic Con, that's my main Comic Con that I um I do because it's local to me, you know. And uh, every October they have what's called a summit. Basically, they get people over from Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse, and stuff like, that, and they have them upstairs in, in the the banquet suites, and they they will speak to the comic shops mm. that that come over to the UK. And um, basically, like the shops will say that this is what we think you're doing wrong, and the comic companies will, you know, they'll talk about you know what's coming out in the next six to six to twelve months, so you can you know get people excited and stuff like that. And I was fortunate to, to be invited to one of them, and um, I got to sit into a presentation by Dan DiDio, who's obviously now not with um, with DC, mm. but he, he, but he was so passionate about the way he spoke about comics, and it, it was it was it was very inspirational because he was saying like, do you know what? As long as we get you know comics like you know Batman and Superman right, because they're our biggest sellers, they're always going to be the biggest sellers because they're, they're, they're staples. Because, but as long as we get those right, it means we get to take risks on stuff like you know a Snagglepuss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean it's like, there's a Snagglepuss comic you know what I mean who's a gay playwright yeah. in, in, in the South do you know what I mean <laughs> and you know, so you say like, risk like squirrel girl and stuff like that because like, you know, someone's going to want to read that and like we get to do like, the Flintstones you know and, and it's just like yeah, it's like we just want to make comics. Comics are fun. Comics are for everyone. So let's just let's just make comics. And yeah, no, it's a uh, it's like you say, like it's good to have comics that uh, just you know talk to everyone. That's, mm. You know, I mean, comics are meant to be fun. You know, you get you get people going, oh, that's not that's not the character that I like. It's like, dude, if you don't like it, there's another comic coming out any minute that yeah. you might like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This that's what annoys me on, on Twitter. Like you get certain, like especially in like the small press stuff, like like really, you get a certain lot of creators that will slag off the books of like the the the, of the, the big two and stuff like. You're like, dude, you know how much effort it takes to put in to make mm. a comic. And if someone said that about your books, you would be crushed. So what would you say about other people's books? It's like, do you know what? It might not be what you would have done with a character, but they're doing. What they do, they're doing, what they love, is they're telling their story. So let them have their moment, you know. And if and if you don't like it, don't buy it. Vote, vote with your, you know, vote, vote with your well, wallet. Yeah, I I agree with that totally. I mean, <clears throat> there are certain characters that I will buy, pretty much. Well, I will buy them. So you know, I'll say Moon Knight, um, and uh, you know, everyone talks about the Bendis, uh, uh, Alex Maleev run, and it's sort of like. It isn't great, you know. I'm not a huge Bendis fan, um, but you know what? There is some really good stuff in that series, and Alex Maleev's art is incredible. <laughs> so, well, you should read you should read the the Daredevil stuff if you've not read that because that's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think I've read the first volume of that when it was. I, 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 it's. And, well, do you know what they they do a book together? Um, it's um, a Daredevil one. Basically, it's end of day. It's basically like the death of Daredevil. Yeah. It's like it's like the final Daredevil story. Just breathtaking. 
like it's art and story you can tell that they it's a character they love you know mm. how how you know it, they've not taken it lightly that they're killing a character they like because that's the thing is like you know you i could write i could write a batman story i could kill batman yeah um, and i'm not having it like i've not been writing it for like six seven years so I don't, i'm not emotionally attached to it but you can tell they've been writing dead for such a long time like do you know what what would be like the end of our our run let's just do the last daredevil story and it's like a love letter it's it's just it's just amazing i don't like benders do you know what i mean I've, i think he's a good he's a good writer mm. you know he's um his new avengers stuff's brilliant yeah got me reading the avengers never read the avengers before that's it like you say I mean, I'm not. I'm not his biggest fan across all the things, but I will, I will never deny that his um, Ultimate Spider-Man run <coughs> is phenomenal. You know that that sort of. I, I read the first sort of probably two, eight to ten volumes of that. And it's it's really really good. Um, and so you know, a good I, I, comics are good comics. Exactly. You know, yeah. Regardless yeah. of who writes it, who draws it, it's like you said. Like if you've got if you've got a, a writer that's on his A game that knows what he's doing, and if he's working with a collaborator and an artist that you know that they they, they they gel yeah. and they can put something special together. You're going to make a good comic. It's it's hard. It's hard not to. No, I agree. Well, on that note, I thought we should we should look to wrap up. So, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. My the podcast. absolute pleasure. Thank you very it's, much. It's for having been me. Uh, it's been a joy. And uh, just before we leave, then just one more go. Where can people find your stuff? And um, uh, you know, give yourself a little pop. Uh, yeah, again, um, you can find me uh, on Twitter at MattGarvey1981. My website is MattGarvey.co.uk. It's got a link to my shop there um, where you can you know, buy all my comics. Uh, my comics are also on the uh, Comixology as well. Uh, just search for me. Yeah, just come check me out. You know, If you see me at Comic-Con and you want to have a chat about how to make comics, how I got my start and stuff like that, I'm always happy to help people You know, get on the run and start to, you know, start to start their journey because we've all got to start somewhere. So I'm always happy to give advice and have a chat and you know give feedback and help in any way I can. Excellent. Yes, and that's what that's where I met you was at a, a con. So <clears throat> I can attest to the fact that you are incredibly friendly and and happy to chat. So you know, please do if you see him, you know, grab Matt for a chat. It was really good fun. Cool. Okay. Thank you very much, Matt. You're um, more than welcome, buddy. Thank you for having me again. No, it's great, and uh, we'll try and do this again some other time. Any time. You just let me know when. Will do. All right. And cheers, Matt. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Another great 20th Century Geek episode. Thank you for listening. If you would like to get in contact to suggest topics for future shows or just chat about everything nerdy, you can email me at 20thCenturyGeek at gmail.com. That's 20thCenturyGeek at gmail.com. Or find me on social media, Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. Just search for 20th Century Geek. If you would like to support the show, please go on your podcast catcher and leave a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. It raises the show in the ranks and lets more people know about the podcast. If you want to show more support for the podcast, we do have an Amazon wish list. Just go on Amazon and search for 20th Century Geek and you will find a list of books that will help with research for future podcasts. And don't forget, we love second-hand books in 20th Century Towers. Once again, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Mm